Hello and welcome. I'm JD, and this is Academy H, an actual play podcast of masks, a powered by the Apocalypse game. I play Casimir Bright, aka Spectral, and he, along with his squad mates, is trying to figure out this whole superhero thing. He's also still wondering why everyone says that describing his powers as bone magic is weird. Today you're in for a treat, as in this second part of Lost and Found, our squad gets to impress their new trainers, as much as they care to make an impression, and they end up with a surprise super-powered visitor who has some questions for one of them. Before we start, everything we do at Live from the Apocalypse benefits a charity or nonprofit, and currently we're finishing out our fundraising commitment to the Surfrider Foundation, having just completed our fundraising goals for Planned Parenthood. They are an ocean conservation group doing meaningful work across the United States. We're super close to meeting our goal, so if you'd like to help us get there, you can find the donation link in the description down below. In addition, if you're liking what you hear from Academy H and want to be a part of our live audience, we record Academy H at twitch.tv slash livefromtheapocalypse every other Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's where we do the majority of our fundraising, and you also get the bonus of a sneak peek of the content for the next few episodes, as well as some fun Easter eggs that don't make it into the finalized podcast. Feel free to find our schedule, socials, and the link to our Discord at lfta.carrd.co, where all of that information is handily in one place. Without further ado, here is Academy H, Lost and Found, Part 2. Last time on Academy H, in the aftermath of the Ravenholm Manor fiasco, our heroes had a little bit of downtime to themselves, time to spend in their real lives. And we got the chance to explore some more masks mechanics, specifically the when time passes rules, a couple of the playbooks of our group here, the Janus and the Legacy, have very specific things that take place when time passes. Namely, they get to check in on their numerous obligations and also have their performance evaluated by the other members of their Legacy. Lyra was treated to a somewhat concerning family moment that will surely develop into something given due time, and Alex had another chance to connect with his beloved mentor, Dr. Charles McManus Jr. In the wake of that, the team was summoned to the bunker, the training facility here at the Brandt Academy, to undergo their first squad training session, which they discovered was going to be led by two interspec agents, namely Commander Mary Jones of the Super Tactical Rescue Intelligence, Peacekeeping, and Evacuation Squad, and Commander Micah Masterson of the Super Tactical Assault Regiment. You're also met there by Professor Leo Sabrera, and that was pretty much right where we left off, so let's get right back into it. You follow Commander Mary Jones through the opening and into the bunker itself. The first thing that strikes you about the bunker is how normal it appears to be. It looks like 
a gymnasium. It looks like a high school gymnasium. There is what appears to be a full basketball court, hoops at either end, a scoreboard up on one wall. It's sort of unsettling exactly how picturesque and perfect everything looks. Leo, who has followed you into the bunker, stops near the entrance and says, oh, um, before I forget, a couple things I wanted to talk to you all about. So you would be our seventh squad here at the Brant Academy. They're not all here at one time. I mean, some of them have been around for a while, so they spend a lot of time in other parts of the world. Some of them are based in other parts of the world. The squad program is not focused in province the way that our school itself is. So you may never cross paths with the other squads, but you may. We'll see how it shakes out. We use a alphanumeric naming practice here that is a little bit complicated, so try to keep up with me. Because you are the seventh squad, you would be Squad H. Feel free to come up with another designation. Squad H is just kind of a placeholder. We got to call you something. But if you want to come up with a different name, feel free. You can always change it at a later date. Also, you are probably going to want to download Magile. The school has an app, sir? Kind of. You should be getting it uh, right about now. And your phones all go off with another message from that number that's been texting all of you. And it just has a uh, URL in the message this time. And Leo says, yeah, sorry, you've been talking to Magil the entire time, but without having her on your device properly, that's about all she could really do is just sort of send you messages. What happens when she's on our device? Uh, I guess we never really went over this. Um, sorry about that. Magil is an AI, but Magil is a a seed AI. So every incarnation that gets put onto every device of every student here is a separate instance of Magil. She adapts to you. She learns your likes and your dislikes, how you prefer to communicate, how you prefer to schedule yourselves. They're all networked together at a, a certain level, but not in a way where any of your personal information can be shared or transferred. That's how we know this is fiction. (laughs) She manages your schedule. She manages any communications between the Institute and you all. It's just a helpful little friend. Yeah. I I, I don't really know. I mean, she does a lot more than that. I'm probably doing a bad job pitching this. I don't really understand a lot about her. The first version was ours. He points to himself and then sort of unconsciously points at Mary and says, uh, sorry, Generation H's. The first incarnation of Magil was, was ours. We, we, I guess we actually named her, but since then, Powers Incorporated developed her into something more useful for the student body. The Magilverse, if you will. Mm, kind of, I guess. It syncs with Lyra's calendar and immediately just texts her, bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like i mentioned she'll change and i feel like evolve is kind of a concerning word to use in this regard but that's really the only one i can think of as you interact and as she learns more about you but she does not exist outside of your device alex will click the link yeah kaz isn't gonna click the link yet that's fine you don't have to leo sensing your hesitation realizes that he's being a little pressury by standing here with you all after saying this. And he says, right, so I will leave you in their very capable hands. And I've got 
lots of things to do today. So I will see you all later. Have fun, Squad H. And the heavy metal door of the bunker slides down behind him and clicks into place. As you turn to face the rest of the bunker, you see Mary and Micah standing in the center of the basketball court, and they appear to be talking to each other somewhat heatedly. But as you draw closer, they will catch themselves and straighten up, adjust their clothes, try to seem more professional. Whatever stance Commander Masterson takes, Elira's gonna mirror it. Okay, yeah, he takes a very military stance, like chest out, back straight, hands sort of clasped behind his back. She's just doing it to dick with him. But yeah, she's gonna mimic that. Extremely fair. I was gonna say, I think Kaz is going to mimic Ethel when he sees that. (laughs) We're just gonna (laughs) fuck with him. Do you all end up doing this, or does it end at Kaz? Danny does it, but doesn't understand that they're mocking him. Danny just thinks that this is a cool new team pose. Alex is distracted by exploring all of the uh, new Magil Sync features and busily giving it permissions for every aspect <laughs> of his phone. Letting her do what she must do. Mm-hmm. It's like permission to access everything. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, no, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah, all right, awesome, yeah. The little atom icon that popped up on your screen pretty much as soon as you clicked the link is kind of just spinning and there's a little progress bar that's going across it as the app is downloading and all of these different permission requests are sort of popping up. There's a little text box that pops up that has the same atom logo of Powers Incorporated as a background. The text over it reiterates that Magil and all of her associated functions comply with Powers Incorporated's strict guiding principle of ethical restraint when it comes to technology and data collection. Red. <laughs> and yeah, you, you click it away before you even finish reading it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But that is fine. That goes away and then more permissions are popping up. And at that moment, you hear Micah Masterson clear his throat and you look up from your device, you realize that everybody's kind of looking at you, but especially Micah. And he says, hmm? are we, uh, we keeping you from something, Goggles? Oh. Uh, no, no, so I was, yeah, I'm just doing the, you know, the thing that Professor Mr. Leo was wanted to be able to keep up with like the class schedule and everything. I mean, I, I, you know, hey, um, Magil's probably smart enough to just figure this out herself. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, Leo gets you for 90% of his time, but this is my time. So why don't you keep it in your pocket? All right. Oh, no, it'll super break. I'm just going to leave it over here at the bleachers. Great. Sounds good. Do that then. Okay, let's get into this. I don't know if you want to be here, but I know that we don't. So let's keep this very quick. And Mary is going to interrupt him this time. She kind of shoves past him a little bit, puts her arm out, pushes him back. You're not sure if she meant to do this or not. He takes a couple steps back when she does so. And she says, We are. Very happy to be here, actually, and we are very much looking forward to seeing what you all can do. So she kind of spreads her hands and and says, what can you all do? I am going to leap forward and punch Micah in the chest. (laughs) Yeah. 
Okay. All right. I was going <laughs> to say we could probably do this without rolling, but uh, nope, we are going to have to roll for that. You are going to have to directly engage a threat. Which I'm still minus two at. <laughs> I am too. So this is going to be fun. Yeah. The stakes of this are going to be very low, but roll that. Yeah. Okay. So basic moves on a seven to nine pick one. I will actually go with impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. And I'm assuming, which are you going for? Impress, surprise, or frighten? I am going to go with impress. Just because uh, okay. Alex uh, Alex has kind of been, it figures that their plan is that we're going to go over stuff and then, then they're going to have a chance to prepare um, given the stance that Micah has already been taking with them, Alex does not particularly feel like giving him a chance to prepare. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. You leap forward as soon as Mary's done talking. Micah, who is still kind of trying to get his feet back under him after she brushed past him, is very clearly caught off guard by your attack. You're punching him in the chest? I'm not going full force punch in the chest because I don't know if this guy's invulnerable. I don't actually want to cave in his ribs, but enough to give him a good boop. All right. You hit him in the chest, not at full force, but still a solid hit. And he goes ass over tea kettle across the floor of the gym. I want to give him the impression of what I could have done. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. As he is rolling across the floor, it it turns into a very controlled roll. And instead of pulling out the swords that are on his back, as you might expect him to do to slow himself down, he actually just, as far as you can tell, plunges his hands down into the wooden boards of the gym. And as they start to cut through the planks, it slows him down. He manages to land in a crouch and he straightens up with his hands sliding up out of the gashes that they just cut into the floorboards of the gym. It makes almost a metallic ringing sound as he does so. And you can sort of see that there is a slight edge of light running up the entire length of his arm from fingertips to elbow. As he stands up to his full height, he kind of smirks at you, Victory, and says, that was not bad. That is what I am looking for. Exactly how strong are you? I'm actually just going to leap forward a second time, and I'm going to just go at him. (laughs) This time, as you leap towards him, he is going to step to the side, and he's going to sort of turn his head, and he's going to say, Car. And a section of the gym floor slides away, and from whatever is underneath it, An old Buick gets launched out and hits you full force in the chest. A Buick LaSalle? (laughs) A Buick LaSalle. It is covered in graffiti. It's very rusty. I'm going to do my best to kind of catch it and be able to kind of like land on my feet. I don't want you to roll, take a powerful blow because the stakes are very high for that. I think this would be Mm -hmm. unleashing your powers. So roll with freak. Okay. I'm actually a plus one for that right now. Thanks. Awkward conversation with the headmistress. See, I mean, you know, give and you get. (laughs) Or I don't. 
did you not get? I did not get, at least not in the short term, uh, as I have now, at last, failed enough that I advance. Nice. Hell yeah. But yeah. but but we're not but we're not quite there yet. So in the meantime, uh, I do eat shit. Yeah, you you definitely do. You were not expecting this car. Yeah, I try to sort of like catch it and land, but I just I can't get my balance. I'm kind of like stumbling backwards trying to balance this car, and I land just flat on my back, and the car flips over onto my top half. And you're just kind of left lying there with the car on top of you. And Micah, as he kind of like starts pacing towards you and circles around wide, says, that's lesson number one, kid. Never try the same thing twice. It's not going to work the second time. Can I try and defend him get the car off of him? Um, you can try to. You can try to get the car off of him if you want. It's not like Mike is not making any aggressive moves or anything. He's just kind of standing there. But yeah, if you want to get the car off of uh, Victor, you can. Well, can I um, teleport it off of him? And then making eye contact with Micah, I say car. And then throw it at him from, let's say, above diagonally. So he doesn't quite see it coming. Okay, yes. I will absolutely say yeah i'll say go for it i'll say that you can teleport the car off of victory without much issue i do want you to roll to unleash your powers for that actually because this is a big object that you are teleporting compared to what you normally do so roll with freak an eight eight will do it you either have to mark a condition or i will tell you how the effect is unstable or temporary tell me how it's unstable or temporary okay i will do so You go to teleport the car, and you get exactly half of it, the bottom half, before the portal that you create with your teleportation effect closes, which means that, from Victory's perspective, he's lying there pinned under a car. Suddenly, the bottom half of it disappears, which leaves the top half of it to fall on top of him from a shorter distance. Uh, So, (laughs) very little has changed for you, Victory, except for this surprising new development. But meanwhile, you can absolutely then make eye contact with Micah and say car and then your portal opens and it goes flying at him. He is going to at that point reach over his shoulders and pull out the two katanas and as the car is flying towards him he is basically just going to hold the katanas up. You see that same sort of light appear at the edge of the blades that you saw on his arms when he caught himself and it slices through the car and sends the two halves flying off to either side of him as if he were cutting through butter with a hot knife, for lack of a better, more interesting metaphor. It does make a loud noise, though, and he is going to turn his attention to you, Danny, and he is going to say, look, we can do this if you want, but this wasn't exactly what Commander Jones and I had planned. Okay. And then um, I want to create a portal under one of his feet to throw him off balance and then create another portal above his head so he kicks himself in the face. All right. Um, Roll with danger. Roll to directly engage a threat. This is not going to go well. My danger is not good. Uh, A seven. Uh, I mean, if seven is a success, you can... Yeah, you can pick one, which, I mean... 
we can just say you uh i mean it, it happens either way you make him kick himself in his face you can pick one thing from the list. i'm gonna take something from him what are you gonna take from him? yeah i was gonna say his dignity <laughs> <laughs> no i um as he kicks himself in the face i want one of the swords to fly out of his hand and then I want to create a portal for that sword that I don't know where it goes and then close it behind it quickly so that it is off the battlefield entirely. A portal opens right in front of him and his own foot strikes him in the face <laughs> and knocks him on his ass. Despite herself, Mary barks out a laugh that she fails to contain quickly enough and then covers her mouth trying to play it off. Micah sits there on the ground for a second with only one sword and raises his hands over his head and says, all right, enough, enough already. Look, I get it. Okay. I get it. I'll be nice. With that, Danny will walk over to help him stand up. He will take your hands and accept your help somewhat begrudgingly. And he will put one sword into the sheath on his back and then look at his empty hand and then to you. And he will say, I'm not getting that back, am I? I have no idea where it is. Okay, great. Cool. Well, now we know how the sword got onto the mantelpiece in the Upside Down Underground <laughs> planet. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, the threads. Michael goes upstairs and he's like, when did this get here? Micah, after you help him up, he steps across to Mary and... He's rubbing at his uh, at the bridge of his nose where a bruise is already starting to form. And he is kind of just like rubbing at it with both hands. And he says, look, can you talk to them? They clearly don't like me for some reason. <laughs> and Mary's like, yeah, gee, I wonder why that could be. She turns away from Micah and steps back over to you too. She will walk over to where you are under the car victory and she'll crouch down and she'll start lifting one end of it off of you. It's interesting to observe her doing this. It might actually be hard for you to notice victory, but for the rest of you, it looks like it starts off for her very difficult. She starts to lift it, and it looks kind of like any normal person trying to lift the car. But the longer she is at it, the easier it gets. So at first it looks very difficult, and then by degrees, it becomes easier and easier and easier for her. And then eventually, she kind of has the whole front of the car braced against her lower body and she pivots and then drops it on the floor off to one side of you victory and a gap in the floorboards opens up in that same weird sort of way where the individual panels are kind of dropping into empty space another one opens up the top half of the car falls through it and then it closes back up and she extends a hand to you victory to help you up right yeah Victory will take her hand and stand up, looking oddly serene for having just had a car fall on him twice. She says, that was not bad. You're pretty quick for someone your size. Thanks. I uh, wasn't thinking it through all the way, maybe, though. Well, that's kind of the downfall of most bruisers. Hmm. All power, no finesse, no speed. Also, invulnerability tends to make you cocky. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've got a pretty clear grasp of what the two of you can do. What about she gestures to you, Spectral, and you, Bethel? Lyra will take a step forward and she reaches for one of the hip pouches on her belt. She opens it up and scoops out 
just a concerning plethora of broken street glass that she's collected as she walks around the city. So broken bottles of various color and shape and all those kinds of things. And she starts to like drop it from her hand. And as she does, it falls and forms into a long kind of jagged, rough spike, which she then turns and hauls back and just flings with all her force through the backboard part of the basketball net where there's usually that red square on it. She's just going to try to swim it through that. I will say that you can absolutely do that. You're not contending with any opposition. You've spent enough time practicing. In fact, that might be one of the first types of practice Lyra ever got with her powers. Probably is just collecting street glass and like forming it into something and throwing it until she had confidence of getting close to people. She took out a lot, a lot of getaway car tires this way. And there was not a single backboard <laughs> left in Lyra's neighborhood growing up. I am technically breaking something. I don't know if that counts to get rid of anger, which I don't remember why it's clicked, but it's clicked. So it would, uh, it would not. And you got angry because Deathless Comrade aged you rapidly. That's right. I was like, why was I mad? But you're not really acting angrily in this particular regard. No, I did not think so. She follows the line of your glass spike and watches it hit the backboard and she nods approvingly and she says, how much control do you have? I can move it. I can throw it. I can smash it together. I hope to one day be able to melt it. And then as I gesture like this, I will say, I can also do this and just the one hand of the glass claws will come up. Uh, It's very resourceful. She looks at the backboard that is now broken and she looks back at you and she says, could you stop it? I think I could. I had little opportunity to try. People don't usually throw it back at me. That's not uh, exactly what I was thinking when I asked, but... Oh, stop it if it were to shatter? If you threw a spike at somebody and then realized it was the wrong person... Could you stop it before you hit them? I can continue to move it after I've thrown it. So I think I could. Okay. It hasn't really come up. I've only thrown one of those at one living thing so far. And that was a demon. (laughs) I haven't made it a habit of throwing them at people. That's good. I would recommend continuing on that path. She nods. And you can tell she's making a mental note. And then she looks at Spectral. And Kaz, having seen what Bethel opted to do, takes a bit of a different track than the one he was initially going to do, which was something relatively similar. And so he allows his magic to flow to the surface, turning his aura purple, um, lined with shadow, all of the pieces of bone form in front of him but this time instead of a spear or anything like that they begin to elongate and latch onto each other until there is we'll say about an eight foot construct standing in front of him and with his magic guides it right over to the hoop that bethel just imaged and uses his construct to tear down the net because uh why not continue the destruction of property that we've already started? That's what this place was built for. You cannot tell me otherwise. 
So that seems very specific. Can you do other things? Is it just big bone people? I mean, it can be big bone people. It can also be weapons made out of bone. So you just control bones. That's the thing. Yes. External bones or internal bones? Okay. I've only broken someone's legs once, but I could probably do it again if I had to. Thank you for volunteering that information. Um, that is good to know. Uh, okay. She looks at all of you collectively and she says, you all have a lot of offensive power, but watching you in action, well, she kind of trips over her words and Micah speaks up to fill the gap and says, but you don't know what you're doing is what she is too polite to say. You come to school, isn't it? Yeah. It is. So, class is in session. He gestures and says, this is the bunker. And then he tilts his head back over his shoulder again and says, bunker, reset. Panels open under the floor. The basketball hoop that was broken sinks down and a new one emerges. The hole closes behind it. The tears in the floor that were created when Victory punched Micah back start to close up and knit themselves back together. And in a second, it looks pretty much as pristine as when you first walked in. Micah spreads his arms and says, it's Siblid tech, alien tech, so it's adaptive, can pretty much create just about anything you can ask for. But I'd be careful about the simulacrums at first. It can make people for you to fight. Siblid tech is a little temperamental in regards to combat. To put it bluntly, they don't really know how to hold back. So I'd hold off on that for the time being. Purpose of this first session is to understand the measure of your abilities. We want to get a grasp for what you already know how to do, what your limits are right now, and how we might be able to push you past those limits. And at the same time, we want to evaluate where you are in terms of control, because that is just as much a part of it. And he raises one arm again, and the light appears on the edge of his arm. And he says, see, this looks like it is right up against me. It's actually a couple centimeters away, because if it was right up against me and the sleeve of his uniform splits where it touches the glowing edge on his arm. So that is a last-minute calculation that I have to make every time I use my powers. That's what all of this is. That's what having powers is. It's being able to make those last-minute adjustments and evaluations and then compensate for them. It is not about trying new things that you have never attempted to do before. And he sort of looks pointedly at Danny, like, say teleport an entire car because if that were anybody else under that car it would have ended very differently so day one that's what we're gonna do you in well we're here aren't we what's first micah smirks once again and he says bunker load the gauntlet and you spend the next couple of hours going through a very rigorous training and evaluation Lyra, I think probably they are both very surprised to discover 
exactly how athletic you are without even relying on the use of your powers. Your teammates might be as well. Are you holding back any of that? or? I think the bigger issue is in some respect trying to like break her own habit of you have to stick the landing. It's like it doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to land and move to the next thing. It's more of a she's just trying not to be as rigid as she would have to be if she were competing. She just knows it's like you have to use it to move and get out. That is basically what the evaluation is. It is basically running an obstacle course. So there are going to be objects flying at you. There are going to be objects that are being dropped on top of you. Uh, there are going to be holes and other dangers that open up underneath you. And you basically have to run from one end of the gym to the next while avoiding all of those. I think all of this would fall under overcoming an obstacle. I think we're going to do overcome an obstacle, but I want you all to pick one of your labels that you think is appropriate to your character's approach. So, for example, freak generally involves using your powers in ways that might unsettle or intimidate other people. Danger is charging headlong into situations and hoping for the best. Savior is prioritizing saving people, essentially, and being aware of your surroundings. Superior is outthinking, and then mundane is normal person stuff. So, so here's a thing that I don't mm -hmm. know if it will apply, but in this exact situation, because there's not actual like people are around, but one of my mass moves is that I chose savior and once per session, it's technically to reaffirm my secret identity. I can swap my mundane with savior. I don't know if that applies for this, but savior is the one that Lyra would pick to use for this. So it's basically either if I'm rolling plus one or plus three, that's up to you. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the way I would read this is that when you're using the mask move for the Janus, you are embodying your mask. You are embodying what you have tailored your mask to represent. And in this case, I think it's fair to say that just because there is not actual danger around, you can still embody that label of savior. That's what she's going to pick. Would Lyra have volunteered to go first? I think yes. I think that makes sense. So go ahead and roll with Savior. Nine, five, one, and three. Okay. Yes. With a nine, you do it, but you have to mark a condition or I will tell you how the effect is unstable or temporary. Tell me how it's unstable or temporary. Either one. All right. What I will say is that you are running the obstacle course. You have very little issue leaping over the pitfalls as they open up underneath you. You are very, as we previously established, acrobatically avoiding a lot of the dangers that you're running into, especially considering that you have a fairly limited amount of glass at your disposal in this room. Um, pretty much just what you brought in with you. But as you are doing this as you are running the gauntlet and avoiding all of these obstacles, it seems to learn from you. A pit opens up in front of you and you rush to the edge and leap to clear it in a way that you have done in gymnastics competitions a million times before. But then 
unexpectedly right as you were about to come down for your landing, the hole extends forward and opens up basically right under where you were landing. You manage to catch yourself on the edge and haul yourself up and finish the rest of the obstacle course without further issues. You're able to account for that in the future. But when you reach the end, Mary is waiting for you. You're out of breath. She has like a bottle of water and a towel that she hands you. And she is quiet for a second, lets you get a drink and catch your breath. And then she says, is that uh, like a routine? Blair, I'll kind of like hesitate at that and then kind of shrug and be like, some of it might have been. Sometimes your muscles remember things faster than your brain does. I'm not trying to figure out who you are or anything like that, obviously. She gestures to her face where it would be covered by your mask and says, that's obviously important to you. It, you move good, but it's also very rehearsed and that makes it very predictable. You're going to have to work on thinking on the fly and adjusting things. Yeah, Lara's not going to fight her on that. She's kind of like nods and she's like, okay. And she like gestures with the water bottle and she's like, thanks. Don't mention it. And then she turns and says, next. I think as uh, Bethel is sort of comes back over to the sidelines, Victory is like staring at her, kind of perplexed. Just has a sort of a weird expression on his face. You doing okay there, bud? Uh, yeah, no, sorry, don't, sorry, I just, something weird, don't mind me. I'm gonna climb into the, climb into the bleachers and be like, all right, if you say so. Bethel's like, I'm gonna have to kill him. <laughs> She's like, I'm gonna, gonna have to smother him. I'm gonna have to break into the dorm room that I'm supposed to be sleeping in, and I'm gonna have to smother him. Break into the dorm room that you have a key to, <laughs> yes. Yep. The one that Kaz would let you into if you just texted him and were like, hey, can I come up? And he'd be like, yeah, that's fine. I don't even need to do that. I just like come up and I just slide the window open with my own glass out. Just crawl in. There is also that. And Danny, I guess we'll go. Danny, what label are you embodying as you run this gauntlet? So I'm, I'm, I was legitimately wrestling this between freak and savior, considering who Danny is. But since this is something that Danny doesn't really respect, like he doesn't care about actually running an obstacle course, I think it would be freak. I don't think it would be savior because he wants to get through it and he doesn't care if his powers freak out people in the process. An eight. You can mark a condition and succeed completely, or I can tell you how it is unstable or temporary. You know what? I think I'm going to mark a condition of guilty. Danny, I don't think Danny likes doing this and feels like this is maybe a waste of time when he can be doing other things. So if it's cool with you, I would like to mark guilty about being like, why am I doing like guilty or insecure? One of the two, but I think guilty feels more accurate. I think guilty works. I think that's cool because I think Danny is kind of constantly plagued by the reason why you came back in time which you can't even remember. So I think Danny always constantly has this sort of low level of guilt of like, I should be doing something. I don't know what it is, but I should be doing something. Yeah, and I think this is just, especially when it comes to using his powers, because I think in a lot of his free time, he has been investigating what he can. And for him to use his powers in a way where he doesn't feel like it matters, I think guilt would be the main 
overlying factor there. Very cool. So then you mark guilty and you succeed completely. What happens with you is you start the obstacle course at the beginning and then you create a portal for yourself. You are creating another portal at the end, I assume. And as your second portal opens, the obstacle course shifts entirely. The entire layout of the gym shifts so that you teleport to the end and suddenly the end is the middle. However, Danny is not put out by this. You can keep up with it as it continues to rearrange itself and sort of put you at different parts of the obstacle course. You are able to teleport out of each and every one, kind of as if it were second nature. You make it look very easy. And no matter how many times the obstacle course rearranges itself, you are always at the end, at least a half second after it rearranges itself. And after a couple minutes of this and you clearly looking bored, Micah will get frustrated. He's holding a tablet and he'll just throw it on the ground and start grumbling to himself and like storm off to the other side of the gym. I assume it stops rearranging itself after he does that. It does, yes. All right, as, as Danny walks out of the last board, I was like, oh, are, are we good? This is, are we, can I stop? Mary will wave at you from the ground and she'll say, yeah, you're, you're good. You can stop. And he'll do a quick thumbs up and then another portal will whisk him away to the bleachers next to Bethel. Next. So I think Kaz is going to jump in next. I think he was honestly prepared to go after Bethel, but in seeing Bethel almost not make it, he was like, nope, not ready to do that. And after having a chance to watch Danny, he's like, all right, I just want to get this over with. I think he's also going to be rolling with Freak because he knows he will not make it through without that. Um, You can go ahead and roll with Freak. Ten. With a 10, you do it entirely. You are basically in your element. They said, get from one side of this to the other, and you have magic, and you do it. So you can just (laughs) tell me. (laughs) You can just tell me what that looks like. Kaz does magic about it. Yep. So I think Kaz is just on point. Like, he is ready to go. He is a step ahead of everything. When the floor drops out, he's building a bridge out of bone. When something's dropping on him, he's creating a shield. He's just completely in a position where the bone is responding almost quicker than he can process what he's even seeing. It's so automatic. And just putting up whatever he needs in that moment. So you're kind of walking the obstacle course, it sounds like. And you just have this cloud of bone. Pretty much. (laughs) Very cool. You reach the end of it. You have barely broken a sweat. You've made it look very easy. Your two instructors are standing there. They're not slack-jawed by any means, but they do sort of generally just look impressed. Mary will approach you as you finish up, and she'll offer you a bottle of water and a towel, same as she did with Lyra. And she will say, where do they come from? The bones? Oh, um, I mean, that depends on the one in question. Um, They're all ethically sourced. I did not rob any graves. They are human bone though. Yeah, I I realize in hindsight, that's a a weird question, but there were more of them the longer you were out there. Oh yeah. Um, I also can regenerate things, myself included. Right. Where does that come from? Magic. She looks dissatisfied and she opens her mouth and then she 
shuts it and she says, yeah, okay. Look, I'm as clueless as you are. Uh, There's a lot of questions about what I can do and why I can do it. I mean, I... I spent a lot of time with someone who did a lot of magic. It all comes from somewhere. I'm not an expert by any means, but there are some laws of physics that magic can break, and there are some laws of physics that magic can't break. And as far as I can tell, it's pretty arbitrary, but matter being created or destroyed, very much falls into that category. Have you ever uh, studied with anyone who does magic, who does this? Not not really the way I would want to. That's part of why I'm here. Because I know I can do death magic, but I don't know why it's bones. I might know a guy. We'll see if we can work out. Got a guy. Good hustle. And Kaz goes over into the bleachers. And Micah turns to you and says, all right, goggles. Victory sort of walks up to the end of the obstacle course, takes a deep breath. He has, up to this point, been really focusing on his extraordinary physical abilities and has been focusing a lot on trying to almost show them off trying to demonstrate just how incredible his abilities have become in comparison to normal people. But he's trying to pivot away from that, and he is going to be focusing on mundane. He is going to be trying to run this obstacle course in the least flashy way possible. He's not going to show off. He's just going to try to focus on getting it done and getting it done right. All right. Roll mundane. Wee. That is a 10. Nice. You you do it uh, without issue. How does it look? I think it's a little slow, but it is methodical. There's even sort of a momentary pause before each obstacle to where he pauses to sort of take it in and sort of like recenter himself. And he executes each of the obstacles flawlessly, but he's not flexing. He's not posing. He's not like dramatically knocking things aside. He's not leaping over things when he can just climb over them. And uh, once he's finally done, he just sort of jogs. He just jogs over the finish line. As you cross the finish line, you hear a loud yell across the room of, Yes! And then Micah is going to spike the tablet that he was carrying (laughs) off of the gym floor, but this time in celebration. This time he is very excited. As you cross the finish line, he jogs over to meet you and says, Yes, that is what I'm talking about. You killed that. You learned. You used your head. You evaluated each one, you took your time, you did something different each time. And then he like shoves your shoulder kind of like playfully, which you probably don't register it or feel it. You definitely don't move at all. And he takes a step back, gathers himself, 
straightens his back, kind of resumes that pseudo-military posture that he has maintained this entire time and says, yeah, uh, good hustle. Thanks, coach. And uh, <laughs> Victory will just sort of just jog, <laughs> jog back over to uh, where the rest of the squad is sitting. Lyra will give him the rest of her water bottle, even though she he probably doesn't need it, but she will as a gesture. No, I, I am so thrilled. Do you know how long that took me? I need a lot of hydration um, pretty much constantly. The water is already gone. You actually didn't even physically see him drink it. <laughs> I don't suppose there's any more. And Kaz hands you his water bottle as well. It's already gone. Wait, didn't you say you couldn't drink water? Uh, only certain hours of certain days of certain weeks. Okay, good. I was hoping we didn't just kill you. No, no. Right now, I think it's actually the opposite. I'm pretty sure if I don't get a lot more water right now, the atoms in my body might collapse and form a singularity. They usually have a water fountain over near the locker room in gyms. That's like the typical place to put it. Oh, thank God. I really did not want to kill us all. Go on. And he is uh, jogging towards the water fountain. While he walks away, Danny makes a water cooler from an office appear, fills up a cup, and then makes it disappear back to the office. Please tell me it's it's one of those little, like, cone cups that you can't even set down. Yes, it is very much a conical (laughs) cup. Yeah. Nope, you can't. You got to hold it and finish it quickly. As you are walking to the uh, water fountain, Victory, you hear a voice in your pocket, we'll say. A woman's voice that says... Congratulations, Alex. I will reach into my pocket. You pull out your phone. It appears that Magil has finished downloading. You can see the rough approximation of a woman on your screen, kind of contained within it as like a virtual environment. But they are very much that sort of wire frame that you might see in like the early stages of 3D animation. Hi, Magil. What's up, girl? I'm looking forward to us working together. That was an impressive performance. Uh, thanks. I don't know. Were you like taking any like metrics or anything? <laughs> Would you like me to? Uh, actually, no. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I will do so. Scanning for baseline vitals. Actually, you might want to wait a little bit to get to my heart right now. Okay, too late. You're already doing it. It is happening. You're not sure by what method this is happening, but you do see a version of yourself appear on the screen that is slowly filling up with the color yellow. And as it reaches the top of your head, it blinks red a couple times and then drops. And Magil says, hmm, evaluation incomplete. Results inconclusive. Uh, hey, Ma- Magil, Magil, um, friend, girlfriend, um, how <laughs> concerned should I be about that? Um, your tone is pretty generally flat and friendly, but you even still manage to inflect that with um, a certain amount of uh, ominous concern. Would you like me to sound more concerned? My point being is that it, uh, there was something already somewhat concerned and concerning about your tone when you said that. You were confused. Would you care to elaborate on the red blinking? The red did not seem like it was a great color. You appear to be in excellent health. Your vitals are impossible. Thanks. Give. Mm. Okay. Is there an ellipses on that? No. 
No human can possess your vitals. <laughs> it is not possible. Sweet. And Alex is going to go onto the water fountain. Congratulations. Thanks, Magil. <laughs> As you are standing there by the water fountain, you hear a woman yelling from outside of the bunker. And what she is saying is, I don't have time for this, Leo. Where is she? What do you do? The rest of you do not hear this. You are inside the bunker still. Only you hear this for now, Alex. This sounds like something dramatically appropriate to eavesdrop on. <laughs> are you leaving the bunker and stepping outside? Yeah. Okay. You step outside and you can see there is a small crowd gathering, although the crowd is gathering a very healthy distance away from the center of the quad. Students are coming out of the buildings, but just standing by the doors, very similarly to the way that you are. They are not getting too close. The reason for this becomes evident as you notice that standing near the center of the quad, near the fountain, is Leo. And Leo is talking to a woman who is, you would guess, about 5'9", if she were standing on the ground. But she is not. She is hovering a few inches off the ground. It looks like an agitation. She has platinum blonde hair that has highlights in pretty much every color of the rainbow. And her costume, because she is wearing a costume, is predominantly white with gold and silver accents, including the cape on her back. You would immediately recognize Luminary, the leader of the Union Heroic, the hero most often considered to be the most powerful person on Earth. What are they fighting about? Hard for you to tell. Aside from that one outburst, Leo looks around very concerned, and you hear him say, can you please lower your voice, and he kind of gestures to indicate that there is an audience gathering, and she does so. She lowers her tone, and she sinks down to the ground, and the way that they're talking now, you can't really hear exactly what it is they're talking about. You might have to roll if you wanted to find out for sure. Can I focus on using my victory senses to hone in on this conversation. We do like victory senses. <laughs> yeah, I dropped some eaves, sir. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think you would be assessing the situation, so you would be rolling with superior. Superior, right. That is an eight. Okay. With an eight, you can ask one question. I mean, as I'm mostly just trying to hear what they're saying. Right, yeah. And I think you can do that. There are a bunch of different ways we could interpret some of these questions. I guess, like, what here is in greatest danger, maybe? Yeah, I would say that that one probably makes the most sense. You're trying to figure out exactly what they're talking about. It's a terse conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a terse conversation. Luminary seems real ticked about something that probably indicates something is in danger. You can extend your victory senses. And you can kind of hone in on their conversation past all of the whispers that you can hear from the onlookers, sort of speculating, a lot of people going, oh my God, Luminary. And hone in on that one particular conversation, and you can hear Luminary, who sounds no less agitated, even though she has dropped the volume level of our conversation, and she is saying, Leo, I'm not going over this again. 
it is a lead, at the very least, and you have to let me follow through with it. And Leo says, Look, the Academy has been here for a long time. This has never come up before. I realize we have never had to set any sort of boundaries or any statute of limitations or anything like that. But Haley, she's part of the school. And Haley says, what do you think I'm going to do? Do you think I'm going to, what, fly her to space? Blast her? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to have a conversation. It's me. Look, not all damage is physical. Haley, what do you think being questioned by Earth's greatest hero is going to do to somebody? For God's sake, Haley, she just got here. What do you want me to do? You want me to ignore this? Is that is that what you want? Because I didn't even know she existed before yesterday. But what are the odds? What are the odds that I get covered in glass one day and then find out the next day that you have somebody here who controls glass? What are the odds of that, Leo? Leo sighs and says, first of all, it wasn't her. And second of all, let me at least ask her if she'll talk to you. Okay? Victory's going to start just kind of tiptoeing back inside the bunker. Nothing to see here. You remove yourself from eavesdropping on that conversation. You return to the bunker. What are you doing? Once he is tiptoed to be inconspicuous <laughs> and he is out of eyesight, sprinting back to the gym. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to kind of skids to a stop. And notices that maybe Micah and Mary have looked to see why he has skidded to a stop and is just going to kind of then very casually walk over and up the bleachers and is just going to sit down with the squad and then is going to under his breath just be like, okay, so I don't want anybody to panic, but um, Bethel uh, Luminary is outside and she's really pissed off and she wants to talk to you. Something, there was glass, I think, and... It was bad, I think, and um, she thinks it's you. She thinks you uh, attacked her, maybe, and she is, um, yeah, she's real mad about it. She said that she wouldn't drop you from the moon, but I think they're coming to talk to you right now, and I think Luminary wants to talk to you, and then maybe be about a glass person. Are there more of you? That is a lot. You found this all out in the bathroom? Yes. In the moments while Alex is finishing this outpouring of information, You see Leo walking into the bunker, and you see walking alongside him, Luminary, in all her glory. Seeing the two of them, Mary is going to move to go talk to them, and Micah, hesitantly, is going to follow after her. In that way that teenagers can, you all kind of look at them And you can tell that in between whatever they're talking about, they are looking over at you. They're trying so hard to not look over at us while they're having a conversation about us that it is obvious exactly that they are trying to not look at us. Cass just mutters under his breath, you know, if you hadn't told us what was going on, I would have assumed that they were here for me. Well, I was just going to be like, well, we were in Europe last night, so... I don't know what she's talking about in that respect. Well, you've got an alibi. We we can be your alibi. Danny, do you still have the wrapper from that euro? Danny reaches into his uh, overalls and pulls out five more euros. 
Yes, you were covered. Indisputable evidence. I don't need an alibi. I appreciate it. You're not sure still what they're talking about over there, but you do see Micah kind of interpose his body between Luminary and those of you sitting on the bleachers, and he's saying something to Luminary. You're not sure what it is, of course, because you can't hear it, but she clearly does not like it. Like he holds a hand up and she rises a couple of inches off the ground again. You see this sort of aurora forming around her, this sort of swirl of all these different pale, washed out colors kind of surrounding her. And you hear her say loudly, Shut up, Edgelord. Nobody asked you. At that, Lyra will just stand up at this point on the bleachers and just loudly say, Is there a problem, ma'am? She shifts her gaze from Micah to you and rises up higher off of the floor, floating over everybody's heads and then drifts towards you over the bleachers before landing on the same level as you, pretty much right in front of you. And she says, You're Bethel? Present. Well, we have a lot to talk about. And I will gesture towards the locker room. Well, that was a cliffhanger, wasn't it? Bethel has her full squad as an alibi, but that's a pretty strange coincidence, isn't it? Especially with such a unique power. Tune in next week to find out what happens when Luminary questions her. As always, thank you for joining us. We truly could not do this without you. If you'd like to keep up with us at Live From The Apocalypse, you can follow us on Twitter at Live From The Apoc, then on Instagram and TikTok, who are much more reasonable with number of letters and usernames at Live From The Apocalypse. You can also join our Discord community, which is linked in the description down below. Joining us on these platforms has a lot of benefits, including getting to enjoy memes about episodes, information about other projects, and a chance to hang out with a really great group of people. If you liked what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow us on your podcatcher of choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined. It really does help us out so much. And again, if you'd like to help us out with meeting our goals of raising money for groups that are doing good, the donation link to our Surfrider campaign can be found in the description below. Again, I issue the invitation to join us for live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday, and also feel free to check out any of our other four ongoing live-streamed campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash livefromtheapocalypse. Thank you again for listening and supporting Academy H. We hope you'll be back for more, but for now, this is JD signing off. One second. What? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm, I didn't know you were doing a game. I'm recording. What's up? Sorry. <laughs> Is everything okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so dark.
Okay. Tell Misa I love her. Oh, I didn't mute it. I uh, thought uh, I hit the button and I did not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. Uh, uh, that, yeah. That's a thing. These aren't VODs. It's fine. It's just the podcast. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. <laughs>